Amen. Well, thank you for singing. Invite you to sit at this time, and we'll invite up Pastor Dennis to kick off his But God series. Let's welcome Dennis this morning. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thankful for our worship team who gets here early every Sunday, prays and gets us into the presence of God. I'm so grateful for the gifting and the generosity of each of our worship team members. Father, we thank you for uh, them today, and we honor you and glorify you today as we uh, continue uh, in this uh, time of worship, and we open your word. Would you be with us now, Lord? In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Good morning. Good morning. It's a joy to be with you this morning, and if you're joining us online, my name's Dennis Beausager, and uh, this is the beginning of a uh, retrospective series looking at what God has done among us. Uh, we'll be in the uh, letters to Timothy and uh, the letter to Titus. So if you want to turn to 1 Timothy chapter 1. There are times in the Bible and there are times in our lives where all seems hopeless, all seems dark, all seems lost. And then there's a glimmer of hope and it's that moment where we realize, but God. But God. But God remembered Noah. But God said to Abraham, you will have a son. But God said to Isaac, you will have this land. But God said to Jacob, I have seen your distress. But God said to Moses, I will bring Pharaoh to his knees. But uh, God took evil and made it good for Joseph. But God spoke, and Saul did not kill David. But God raised Jesus from the dead. But God helped Paul. But God showed his love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. But God disciplines us for our good. But God had mercy. But God has testimony that is greater. And but God will redeem me from the realm of the dead. How does it happen that a self-centered business executive becomes a pastor? But God. How does a little church in a suburb of a mid-sized city become a global missions base but God? How do uh, miracles, healings, prophecies come to a church but God? How does a little church join with other churches to impact an entire city but God and how does a congregation of 150 with an annual budget of $500,000 renovate two historical buildings at a cost of $5 million but God but God but God with him 
all things are possible. So in this uh, series, which I'm really excited about, I want to look at uh, these glimpses of God's work in the past so that we can be excited about the future. You know, God's faithfulness is not something that we uh, lean into uh, with our fingers crossed. God's faithfulness we lean into because of his actual performance in the past and his promises for the future. This uh, is a, a new season for Marymount Community Church. In a, in a couple of months, Marianne and I will transition to sabbatical and then to becoming part of this congregation and Jamie will take over sole leadership of this church and we are excited about the next season God has for us and we are excited about the next season God has for this church. And so during this series, I want to build your faith and your expectancy. I want to deepen our friendship with God. I want to celebrate this unique fellowship, this unique, multi-generational, diverse fellowship uh, and all that God wants to do with these amazing people that are here. And I also want to help us all transition well. I want us to uh, recognize that this is a season ordained by God. He knows where we're at. He knows what we're doing next. And uh, we've had this picture of a, of a bridge, of a congregation coming and crossing over a bridge uh, that's been given to us by some of our prophetic people. And crossing bridges are always a time of great anxiety, but also great blessing. And uh, this is what I hope comes out of this, uh, out of this time. I, I do want to say I'm so thankful. We've been doing a special offering over the past three weeks for our mission partners and uh, I learned from Mark on Thursday that uh, you have been so generous. You have given $34,000 compared to $28,000 last year. And that means we're going to be able to bless. Yes, yes, yes. That means we're going to be able to bless our mission partners, each one of them actually. And it means we're going to be able to continue our work in the Ukraine, which I'm really excited about. And here's what you can expect over the next six weeks, okay? First of all, scripture that hopefully will speak very clearly to you. And in that scripture, uh, Paul uh, writes uh, to his protégés, and it's all about transition. It's all about Paul moving on and these, uh, these leaders stepping into leading, leading roles in the churches uh, around uh, the Roman Empire. Uh, Paul is going to talk about, he uses the word, this is a trustworthy saying. He uses that word five times. So next week, starting next week, and each week after that, we're going to look at one of those trustworthy sayings. Uh, I'm, I'm expecting that I will share with you some successes and some failures that I've had here that we can learn from, that we will have God's love and his challenge uh, for us to grow, we will experience his love and also that he wants us to grow <clears throat> and we'll experience the power of the gospel. Uh, 
The topics that we're going to do each week really are the six major themes of these three letters. So the first topic this morning is what a God. We're going to be focusing on the God that Paul served, the God that Timothy served, the God that Titus served, and the God that through the generations we have been brought to serve. Uh, so that's number one. Number two is going to be looking at the kingdom gospel. Number three is going to be uh, this idea of, uh, that Paul talks about that we need both the word and the spirit uh, to walk properly with Jesus. This uh, notion that Paul will go to great lengths to define the family of God, how the family of God is supposed to function. And then uh, living on mission. And the many times in these letters that he encourages uh, Timothy and Titus to go and use their gifts and have the people use their gifts for the glory of God. And then the last week, I'm just going to talk about enjoying God, enjoying his presence, enjoying his fellowship, enjoying his friendship. Uh, and that's going to be where all throughout this, I just hope that you can see in here the themes that we've been uh, focusing on uh, as Jamie has put out the vision for the next season for our church that God would show us uh, who he is that we would use our gifts for his glory that we would bring along the next generation uh, and train up and release leaders and that we would do all of that open handedly in the enjoyment of God's presence so we're also uh, keenly aware and I'm going to share the results of our discipleship survey uh, in a couple of weeks but the overwhelming thing is the desire for fellowship which we have been prevented from enjoying in many ways throughout this pandemic. So our next uh, uh, season is going to be to really try to restart the items of fellowship in our church. So over the past few weeks we've been testing out light bites. It's been going very well. So we're going to resume light bites uh, effective today. Uh, that's good news. We're also, uh, want, we want more people to understand what our family shop is. So we're going to open the family shop on Sunday morning between services uh, today and also in May on the 15th just to give people a chance to go down there and see what's going on uh, and see what we're up to. Next Sunday we have the Flying Pig and uh, there's a kind of an unclear weather picture right now on the Flying Pig with a lot of rain and wind and we're not sure what it looks like yet. So uh, stay tuned. We'll be communicating exactly what we're doing next Sunday uh, throughout the, towards the end of this week when the weather picture gets clearer. Uh, men, I'm going to be sharing my parting thoughts uh, next Saturday morning from 9 to 11. The week after, Marianne's going to be doing the same with the women. And then the week after that, we're also going to uh, speak to couples about family vision, family legacy, uh, and uh, family team. So uh, we'll be doing that. And last, but certainly not least, if you need a reset with God, if part of your coming out from COVID is that you need a reset with God, we have the perfect thing for you. It's called the Dream Getaway. Marianne and I went on this a few years ago. Awesome teaching, awesome fellowship, uh, great uh, surroundings. So it's going to be in North Carolina. And uh, the information on how to 
uh, connect to that is right there. So if you want to take a picture of that, uh, and if you have any questions, you can ask at the Connect desk, and they will connect you to uh, Mark and Christine and the other folks. Uh, Christine's over here. If you want to learn more, please see her uh, after the service. So uh, let's dive in uh, to what a God, and I'm going to read. Uh, so what we've got here is the beginning of each letter. Uh, by the way, I'm not going to do every verse of this because there's a lot of repetition. I'm going to do about 70% of the verses, but 100% of the content uh, as we look at this. But uh, we're going to look at the introductions to the three letters. Then we're going to uh, read two sections of 1 Timothy where Paul goes on a riff of worshiping this awesome God and who he is that we worship. So, First uh, Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the command of God our Savior and of Christ Jesus, our hope, to Timothy, my true child in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. A beautiful uh, opening of the kind of relationship and the kind of God and the kind of peace and grace and mercy that comes from knowing this God. And then turn over to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. And now turn over to the beginning of Titus. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began. And at the proper time manifested in his word through the preaching with which I have been entrusted by the command of God our Savior to Titus, my true child in a common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Savior. Now turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 3 and we'll read verses 14 through 16. This is... Uh, one of the hymns of worship that Paul bursts into as he writes the letter. I hope to come to you soon, but I'm writing these things to you so that if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. He was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, and taken up in glory. A beautiful hymn to the majesty and the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And now turn further in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6, starting in verse 11. But as for you, O man of God... Flee these things. That's all the evil that was previously listed. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, 
steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ which he will display at the proper time. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. These are the very words of God. And what I want to do in this morning's message is look at, uh, four, look at this in four parts. First of all, we see really clearly the call of God on Paul and also his call to Timothy and Titus. Secondly, I want to look at the life of God that Paul is uh, talking about, that he's actually really focused on throughout these letters. Then I want to look at the mystery of God that is uh, explained in that first uh, hymn that I shared with you. And then finally, I want to look at the dominion of God and what that means as we look at this picture of what an amazing God we serve. So Father, as we look at the call and the life and the mystery and the dominion that you exercise, that you grant, that you bring to us, that you walk us through, I ask today that you would bring each of us one step closer to clarity on our calling, one step closer in enjoying the life that you have promised us, promised us, one step further in experiencing the mystery of godliness, and one step further in understanding your dominion over us uh, and over uh, all around us. I pray that this would give us hope and joy and peace. And I ask that in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So Paul is commanded by the will of God to come and serve, to preach, uh, to bring the good news of the gospel to uh, the, the province of Asia and beyond in Greece, throughout the Roman Empire. And uh, he is a blasphemer who's been redeemed by faith, by the grace of God. And he has been taken from killing Christians to bringing the good news around the Roman Empire. And uh, the same is true of me. You know, I was lost, dead in my sin, uh, clueless as to the things of God, uh, broken in so many different ways. Um, as I went to that retreat in Hong Kong in March of 1996 and God woke me up. God brought me to himself. God cleansed me of my sin. God restored and healed my marriage. God restored and healed my relationships with my children and he put me on a path. Uh, and throughout that first season it was very clear very early on that one of the things he wanted me to do is preach the word 
And that was something that I did uh, faithfully through uh, several, <laughs> several uh, crazy situations. Uh, when I was in Asia, when I was back here, uh, preaching to uh, CEOs and coworkers and um, bringing the life of God that I had discovered to many. And this, this kind of calling is not unique to pastors. Um, but all of us, all of us in some way, shape, or form are called to bring uh, these things to others to make disciples. That's one thing we all have in common. We have all different gifts. We have all different, uh, all different temperaments, all different situations that we're in, but we all have the call to make disciples, whether that's our children, uh, our friends, our neighbors, our classmates uh, in high school, college, uh, everywhere. So this call uh, came, and then uh, separately, and, and f maybe uh, six or seven years in, a call to Marymount Community Church, and it was amazing how God ordained it. He actually connected the head of the pastoral search committee uh, here to my son at a college campus where his daughter was attending, and my son and his daughter had become friends. And this is how we were made aware of this opportunity. And uh, my son told him, uh, his name's Harry Bedanes. My son Dennis said, You need to call my dad. And through a lot of different uh, paths be between then and uh, October of 2004, I was called to be here and to bring uh, what the church wanted. The church wanted more of the Holy Spirit, more worship, uh, and they wanted more impactful outreach to our community. That was the basis of the calling that I came here with. And also, I had a calling to the city. I had relationships in the city, and I also had a calling to the world because of my international experience at P&G. Uh, we had been on mission trips early on. So this was part of how uh, I ended up here and how God has been moving in this congregation over the past 18 years. It was really awkward at the beginning because uh, my predecessor, uh, wore suits and ties and robes. And this was very uncomfortable for me. I wanted to get dressed the way the people in the church were dressed. I did not believe in a distinction between clergy and lay. I believe we're all the priesthood of believers. And so it would happen on Sunday morning that, you know, can't you wear a tie? Can't you wear a tie? And it was really challenging, really difficult, um, but I was trying to be myself, and it, it reminded me that I need to learn how to operate in my gifts, and, you know, it, it took a while to figure out how to do that. Uh, it was very uh, interesting uh, as I studied uh, the story of David and Goliath. You know, in that story, uh, uh, Saul wants David to wear Saul's armor to go out and fight the giant and David puts it on and it's super uncomfortable and then David finally takes it off and said I don't this, I haven't tested this I don't I'm not comfortable and he reaches into the stream and he picks out five smooth stones and he brings his sling 
And um, when we go to Israel, and I, I thank Ray Vanderlaan for this insight, when we go to Israel, we go to the Elah Valley, we pick up stones, and I encourage everybody to throw their own stone. Because everybody, all of us, has to operate in our gifting the way God wired us, the way God gifted us, and that's going to look different. So I want to encourage you to throw your own stone, to don't, don't make any assumptions that the only way to be an evangelist is the way Billy Graham was an evangelist. There's lots of different ways uh, to bring the good news to others around us. And so we need to each have the freedom to throw our own stones. And church, you need to give Jamie that freedom. Because when we were in Israel, uh, I had a moment with God when I was throwing my stone and I went over to him and I said, listen, don't try to do things the way I have done things. You need to throw your own stone. And church, I would just encourage you, encourage Jamie in his wiring, in his gifting, to throw his own stone. And instead of comparing Jamie to Dennis, I encourage you to flip that around and ask yourself the question, why did God bring a different guy like Jamie here in this season? And ask the Lord what the Lord's up to. And then encourage the freedom uh, that we all want to operate in our gifts. Encourage that for Jamie. And I, I believe if, if we all do that, we will be thoroughly blessed. Amen? Amen. You know, when I came uh, here, they, there had not been a pastor for two years. Uh, through no fault of anyone's, there was a, a decision by the previous pastor, Jim Holt, to retire. Uh, there was a search committee. It didn't work out. And there was a second search committee. And then I came. But uh, I just would say that uh, it was super challenging because uh, there was a 930 uh, contemporary service in this room before we renovated it and there was an 11 o'clock traditional service in the chapel which is down the road about 300 yards and I said to myself at the beginning man I, I can barely pastor one church I'm, I'm never going to be able to pastor two and I, I didn't know what to do I had no idea um, but these two churches didn't know each other and then God, God made an opportunity very early on where the musicians that took care of the traditional service left the church. And so we started meeting together and people who had been worshiping here 10, 15, 20 years didn't know each other. And it was actually a real blessing. We, we actually got to know each other and we moved, we had services over there and then services over here. And then finally we realized we can't have services over there because we got children here and parents don't want their kids 300 yards away in another building. So we started having uh, our worship here and then the other thing that happened at that time is we moved from uh, a traditional versus contemporary argument to basically uh, a mixed type of worship but we knew we had to change the music of the church if we wanted to have the next generation this was really difficult this was not a no brainer but I, I, I want to say that every single person who ever comes to a church and every single person who ever serves in a church is interim 
we're all interim. We are standing at the end of a 2,000-year role of people passing the baton of the gospel on to the next generation. And we, we need to do the same. We, you know, it's the weirdest thing. Most clubs are for the members. But the church exists to reach the people that aren't in the church, doesn't it? So we have to keep that in mind or else we will die. And that was probably the biggest difficulty I faced in the, in the beginning. When I stood up to preach in the chapel on the first Sunday morning, I got up uh, at the traditional service and all I could see was darkness. It was just black. Literally, I couldn't see the people. And I, I asked the Lord what that was. And throughout that week, we went over there and we prayed. And uh, we asked the Lord what was going on. And it was this notion of, you know, idolatry of the building. Uh, idolatry of uh, kind of the, the history. And when you look into the history of Marymount, there's a lot of, there's a lot of crazy stuff. There's animistic worship here for 200 years. Then there's uh, the planning of Marymount in secrecy. Then there's the deeds that restrict people who are Jewish or black from owning property in Marymount. And so there's, there's a lot going on. And as we, uh, as we said to the Lord, look, whatever you want done is what we're going to do. And we confessed all that stuff uh, on behalf of the history and we just anointed the doorposts and the next week uh, it, was, it was spectacular. It was clear and it was, you know, this idea that God does pay attention to history and he wants us to be aware of what he wants and how he wants it done. And the uh, other thing was there used to be a lot of flags inside and uh, nationalistic kind of uh, uh, displays in both buildings. And we, we love our country. We have a flag out front. But when we worship Jesus, we don't mix Jesus up with the flag. The United States of America cannot save us. Only Jesus can save us. Now, we'll bring flags in here on Memorial Day to honor those that died for us. We'll bring flags in here on 4th of July Sunday. We're not opposed to blessing our country. We're not opposed to loving our neighbors and loving our communities. We just need to help each other keep it straight that the, 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 that the call of God is to worship Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The call of God is a fight for truth and love and faith. And the call of Jesus is on all of us to participate uh, in what he's doing. The uh, Paris Center, can you, the, the, I just want to acknowledge Mark Wavra. Could you just put the next slide up? Yeah, so th this, I've been talking about the chapel. Now I also uh, want to talk about the Paris Center, the building that we're in. These are pictures taken by Mark Wavra, who has some amazing art. So he's part of our church. He worships at 11. If you want to encourage him or get any of these, he's got them for you. But I just want to thank him, but this building here used to be a community center, and we bought it in 1954 for $75,000. And one of the beautiful things about Marymount Church is we've never had debt. 
uh, we, we, have, we have basically operated within our resources. But in 2007 and 2008, we did a renovation. Both these buildings were in disrepair. I told you about the $5 million it cost to fix them. The secular foundations that we applied to uh, gave $3.3 million to that work. And then the church, uh, in a September in 2008, uh, uh, 2007 I should say pledged uh, 1.7 million which was absolutely off the charts amazing and so we proceeded with these uh, renovations both to better serve our community and uh, both to uh, be uh, good stewards of what God gave us and what was interesting is we finished all that renovation uh, and we had $200,000 left over and we invested in the new building that Sunrise, now called Summit Church, was building. We invested in the building that Horizon Church was building. We invested in the new buildings that Crossroads was investing. We built a church uh, in Hungary. Uh, we built uh, into ministries, uh, I think 18 or 19 ministries in total. So we uh, we have a direct spiritual stake in all of these churches and this is part of the call of God on us is to be people that think about the kingdom in its broadest perspective and that was, uh, that was one of the memories uh, that super encouraged me so that's the call of God it's, it's a call to be global kingdom Christians to uh, answer and walk and live with God which brings us to the second point which is the life of God the life of God Paul talks about the life of God 15 times in these three letters I encourage you by the way to read all three letters it's about nine pages in your Bible read all three letters because it, it, it is amazing uh, what you'll see there but he talks about the life and it's He's referring to the life that is in Jesus. He's referring to eternal life. He's, he's referring to the promise of the life that is really life. And this is a promise of participating in God's eternality. That we have been, according to Ecclesiastes, we have been made with eternity in our hearts. And the only way to fill that is with the eternal God. And he wants us to experience eternal living and he doesn't want us to wait until we die. This is why we are to expect the supernatural. This is why we are to earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. This is why we are to pray and expect that our prayers will actually change things uh, in the world around us. And uh, this is about walking with God, to seek God, to to have him show us who he is, to seek after him with all of our hearts. Uh, one of my biggest mistakes in the first couple of years was I didn't get to know everybody. And um, there, was a, there was a man in our church, been in our church 50 years and he was sick and on his deathbed and we went to visit him thank God with another older really passionate evangelist and a man who really loved this other man but he had been a mayor of Marymount he had served in the church and he did not know God and this other man knew that and I did not know that so we went to see him 
and we shared with him and he, he kind of was coming in and out of lucidity but he, we had a lucid moment and we shared with him uh, and this, this brother, both of us, but this brother shared and he talked about, first question was how's your relationship with Jesus? Not very good, the man said. And then the other man was with me said, well, let us tell you a little bit about how to get that straightened out. So then he started sharing his own testimony. Then he shared the gospel. I shared the gospel. And the man looked up. And um, his name was Clarence Erickson, by the way. His man, this man looked up. And his eyes opened. And he goes, that's really good news. <laughs> and I said, amen, brother. So do you want to get your relationship right with Jesus right now? Yes, I do. I want to get it right, right, right now. And then he confessed a few sins. He prayed, and that was a, a wonderful moment. And it led me to realize, oh, my gosh, I don't know the condition of my flock the way I need to know the condition of my flock. So I started asking around and praying and talking to people, and I realized we had a bunch of people who did not know God. So we came up with the idea of reading the Bible in 99 days in the fall of 2006. So from Labor Day to Christmas, we read the Bible and we handed out 160 Bibles. They were special Bibles that Zondervan had printed. Uh, read the Bible in 90 days. Large print, fairly large Bibles. You only have to read 12 pages a day and you can do it in 88 days. They had two days of grace in their Bible, so that was 90 days. I said, we need more grace, so let's have 99 days. So now there's 11 days of grace, and sure enough, we needed it because all the way through, people would say, how many days of grace do we have left? <laughs> and uh, anyway, uh, we handed out 160 Bibles, and by Christmas, we then extended it about five days to the new year so people could read over the Christmas holidays and 137 people finished. And out of that group that finished, we had a whole bunch who got saved, who realized the story of Scripture, who realized what Jesus did for them, who realized that it wasn't their good deeds, but it was the blood of Jesus that paid for their sin, and they came into salvation and this is I'm talking about you know I'm talking about well two guys for sure Tom Coates and Ed Wilson and they were both married to godly women but they weren't they weren't saved and these ladies been praying for these guys for a long time and when this happened it was like joy and families were transformed by this as these new believers started sharing their faith there was healing one woman had just ferocious anxiety. She was completely healed of anxiety. So we had these, these baptisms of uh, older people uh, in the church and changing in families. And that is what Jesus wants. He wants us to know the life that is truly life. Dallas Willard says it this way. Jesus offers himself as God's doorway into the life that is truly life. Confidence in him leads us today, as in other times, to become his apprentices in eternal living. Jesus said, I have come into their world that they may have life and life to the fullest. That's Dallas's translation of John 10. And this is the life that has been made available to us, a supernatural life, an eternal life, a life where we see in the spirit realm and we walk in the spirit realm. And this is the call 
that Paul keeps hammering away, remember to live the life that is truly life. That brings us to the third point of uh, uh, this passage uh, in 1 Timothy chapter 3, the mystery of God. And here is the mystery of God. The mystery of God is that Jesus is God and he's going to become a man in flesh. And he's going to be vindicated by the Holy Spirit, raised from the dead. The gospel is going to be available by those who believe from all nations, not just Jewish people, not just rich people, not just Western people, but people of every tribe and tongue from all over the world. And uh, Jesus has ascended into glory and it is from there that he is now ruling. And this mystery is that everything was planned by God before anything was created. Which is so mind-altering how God planned this all out before creation. So Jesus is coming to be one of us. And this is, this is the amazing truth of the gospel. And one night, just before the renovation uh, offering was to be made, we had a worship night in the chapel. And we were praying for revival, for salvation, that God would come to Marymount, that God would turn Marymount upside down. And as we were worshiping and praying, uh, there, there came a mighty rushing wind. It was howling outside. And then lightning. Lightning started blasting. And if you're in the chapel, there's all these windows around. Light, lightning's just flashing outside as we're praying for revival. Fast forward uh, a couple of weeks. And by the way, we've had so many prophecies of revival that are going to come to Cincinnati that are going to start in Marymount like seven or eight times. So that night we're like, whoa, God was so present. So we take the final offering a couple of weeks later and we have this $1.7 million. We have all the people in here. We're super excited. We're going to get to do this. And by the way, there's a, there's a massive financial crisis going on around us. Okay? This is all like going to, the, the, the markets are going down the tubes. But this church still gives $1.7 million. So we're celebrating that. We're singing the final song. I'm sitting back there by the door. And right in the middle of the song, the Lord says, you haven't preached the gospel today isn't this what we're doing all this for? And I said, oh, Lord. So I walk up. The band has no clue what I'm doing. They're all singing away, and I finally ask the band leader to stop, and they stop, and I say, all right, I've, uh, I've made a mistake today. I've not preached the gospel, and I know there's people here who need to receive Christ as their Lord and Savior. So I preach the gospel, and then silence. I don't know how long. It felt like five hours, but it was probably two minutes. And, uh, and then click, 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 click. This lady walks up here, and um, I say, what's your name? And then the band starts singing again, and then I say, what's your name? And da 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 And then at the end of the song, I present, I led her to Christ, prayed with her, and then I... Uh, I, I introduced her as this is your new sister Elizabeth 
And the place goes nuts, you know. And then afterwards, it's like, did you have that planned out? I said, are you kidding me? No, I wouldn't do that. I would never do that. Anyway, that was, that was the Lord's faithfulness to this mystery of godliness, which is we have to grasp that Jesus is God. He became a man in the flesh. He died for our sins. He was vindicated by the Holy Spirit. He ascended into heaven. He's there now at the right hand of the Father. He poured out the Holy Spirit. He's believed on around the world. And it's our job to continue to walk in that mystery of godliness, to be transformed by him, to be hungry for more of him, to be hungry for him to move. And that is one of our biggest prayers now, is for the, the church, not just our congregation, but the church in the city and in the country and in the world to be hungry for God. And we've had people coming in hunger for baptism and hunger for uh, more of the Holy Spirit and hunger for prayers, for healing. And God has been moving in that. And it's here that I want to remind us uh, of this, this mystery of godliness is that the more you want, the more of God there is. And we, we, don't, we don't ever put God in a box. There's always more of God and uh, A.W. Tozer says it this way, the degree of fullness in any life accords perfectly with the intensity of true desire. We have as much of God as we actually want. One great hindrance to the spirit-filled life is the theology of complacency. This is the theology of, uh, I prayed that prayer in high school, I'm good, my life is balanced, I got Jesus fitting into my life of you know, and they, they think of Jesus as a slice of the pie. Jesus is the pie. And, and we need this, this whole consuming desire for more of God to know that the mystery of God is that he is eternal and there's always more. He wants us to look for more. He wants us uh, to follow him with all of our hearts and to hunger after him. Which brings us to the final point, and here I'm going to segue into communion, uh, the dominion of God. And in the second worship hymn that Paul writes, he says that his honor and dominion are eternal. He is a blessed sovereign king. He is immortal, eternal, invisible. He lives in unapproachable light. He is altogether not like us and his honor and his dominion are forever. This is the supremacy of Jesus. This is where Paul would write in Colossians that Jesus triumphed over the powers and principalities of evil and darkness by the cross. He made a spectacle of all these evil spirits and all the evil in the world by the cross. That's where he became the victorious king was on the cross. Yes, he ascended out of the grave. Yes, he ascended into heaven. But his victory began on the cross when he went to his death. And you can, you can feel the dominion of God when you realize that he did that for you and me. You can feel his dominion and his love and his care and his desire to redeem us you can feel it in the pain of the cross. And as we prepare our hearts for communion, 
uh, I just want to encourage us to remember that uh, this is a battle. This is a battle. This victory has been won, but we still need to walk it out day by day, and we will still be battling the world and the evil one and our own sinful desires. And we will be doing that till the day we die. Uh, I, I saw a Facebook post of a dad announcing his new son, and at the end of that post, he said, Welcome to the war. And uh, that's probably not the first thing when you think of a cuddly little bouncing baby boy, but it is a war. It is a war. And there is an enemy who wants to destroy us, but we have the one who is greater than the one who is in the world. And he has decisively won the battle, and we need to remember that because all the enemy has left is lies. And in, in this dominion, God rules. I remember we were in a, a time of real uh, spiritual warfare in the church, and uh, Pam Ping, who is uh, uh, one of the co-directors of EMI, the ministry that is their offices in our building, she felt led in her prayer time to stand in here on Sunday mornings holding a sword. She ran that by me, and I said, Wow, Pam. Uh, what kind of sword are we talking about? <laughs> a metal one about five feet long. I said, and, and the Lord wants you to do this, right? And it's for our benefit, right? Yep. All right. So she stood over there. I don't know how long she did it, at least three months. People were asking me questions. Who's the lady with the sword? <laughs> what, what is going on here? I said, well, we're having a spiritual battle for the church and um, it was at that time that uh, we began uh, and, and helped launch uh, the prayer covenant ministry here the prayer covenant ministry by, uh, launched by my mentor Jerry Kirk began with a six week series in here on Wednesday nights that they videotaped and they used to launch this ministry around the world the prayer covenant ministry uh, and I'll have more to say on that in the March, uh, sorry, in the May uh, canopy prayer guide. But it's a prayer that basically says, uh, Lord, be, be, be Lord, have dominion over us any way and change us any way you want. It's a very dangerous prayer. But I, I've never been able to directly connect Pam's standing with the sword but I believe it had to do with the launching of a prayer ministry that is now uh, being prayed by a prayer that's being prayed by millions of people all over the world. And there, it was an opposed work. So as we come uh, to communion, uh, worship team, do you want to come up? Uh, prayer teams, I'd like you guys to be available. I know uh, Jess is not here to quarterback prayer this morning, but... Um, uh, those of you that are ready to pray for others, if I could have one team up here and one team over here. We're going to uh, worship God. And I'm asking that in this closing time and in uh, this week, that each one of us uh, apprehends more clearly the call of God on our lives. That each one of us seeks more passionately 
the life that is truly life in Christ. That each of us gains new insights into the mystery of godliness. And that each of us receives the dominion of God in their lives, but also exercises the dominion of God in the things God has given you authority over to run. That Jesus would be over all your domains and that you would put that armor of God on and that you would be uh, those that walk in the dominion of God. So Father, as we uh, come into this time of communion, we remember that you, Lord, you put it all on the line for us. And you did that, Lord, despite our sinfulness. And it was that wonderful moment but Jesus triumphed on the cross. But Holy Spirit fills us. But Father adopts us. But God rescues us from the dominion of darkness. So Lord, thank you for uh, this amazing gift. And as we uh, celebrate communion now, Lord, would you speak to us about your call on our lives, the life you want us to have, the mystery that you're revealing to us even now, even this morning, and the dominion that you want us to have over the domains that you've entrusted to us. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's worship the Lord when you're ready. Come up for communion. Communion servers, if you could come up. Prayer teams, if you could also come up. Uh, thank you. Let's worship the Lord.
cries out, Hallelujah, prisoned on a run to me.
as we close this last course. Father, we sing to you with the breath of life that you've given us. Lord, I bless my brothers and sisters today to grasp the call that you have on their lives, to experience the life that you've promised them in Christ, to know the mystery of godliness, and to experience the dominion that you have over all things, your supremacy your perfection, your awesomeness, Lord. And along with the psalmist, I just pray, Lord, that each one of us would fully internalize Psalm 49, 15. But God will redeem me from the realm of the dead. He will surely take me to himself. So, Lord, uh, we thank you. And church, I encourage you now to walk in the fullness of the kingdom of God, the fullness of the good news, the fullness of the things that God has for us today. And if anybody here is suffering from a sore right forearm, we had a word about that. If you have a sore right forearm, God wants to heal that today. Just come over here for prayer when, uh, 
that's available. In the meantime, have a great week. I bless you. Uh, we'll see you in Light Bites. Uh, and remember, but God. Amen.